Well, good morning, Taft Avenue Community Church. It is good to be with you. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, my name is Jordan Weaver, and it is just a joy to be with you here this morning. If you have a Bible with you, please open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's some in the pew right in front of you, and you can find our passage on page 1148 of that pew Bible. 1148, 1148. Hey, we're going to get to the entree, the meat of this meal here today, going to God's Word. But first, just a few words of greeting and introduction. Greetings. It is good to be with you. I'm here with my wife, Joyce. We are the Weaver family, um, and she is currently or about to be 34 weeks pregnant with our first little one. So we are almost a family of three here, and Lord willing, that baby will come out smoothly on November 1st due date or somewhere around there. And we are just so thrilled with new life. And isn't it just crazy that you and I, we were all infants being knit together in our mother's wombs? What in the world? What a miracle life is. And he's preserved us every single day, given us breath every moment. Unbelievable. And here we are. Um, we're from Grace Evie Free. That's our church home over in La Mirada. So we've been there Golly, I came out um, back from Minnesota to La Mirada to go to Biola and been out here since 2010. So that's been our church home for about 12 years. And let me tell you, it's just sweet to be gathering with you here. Um, I imagine you guys have experienced quite a whirlwind in these previous years of how do we do church in the midst of facing all kinds of new trials, whether it's pandemics or just life that happens. Um, But God is faithful, and we know that the capital C church of this world, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. Praise the Lord. And here we are, lowercase c, a part of that uppercase c church, and we're going to go and look to our faithful God today, yet again. Um, But got to be here today because it was serving up this summer up at Hume Lake, where your pastor, Craig, is uh, one of the board of directors. So I just got introduced to him there, and he told me, first that I was going to give me an invitation to the trip to Israel. That sounded great, but no. He invited me to come here, fill his stead, which is a joy and honor to do. Craig, if you're watching Live Streamers Israel, blessings on you. Eat some good hummus for us, please. And, um, but it's a joy to be here. Um, and just knowing a little bit of brief history about the church, um, I'm glad for you that you have uh, Craig in the Hill family who is just willing to come here at a unique time in this church's history um, to come and serve uh, a place and a body in need. So from the time that I've spent with him and interacting with his family, I think you are a blessed congregation to be led by him. Uh, But hey, I'm going to just be sharing with you as we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5. This is what I had the opportunity of teaching Um, to high school students this whole summer. I was up at a camp called Wildwood at Hume Lake, and we have all the high school students live in tents for the week that we're up there. And so everyone's getting dirty together. We're covered in dust. The only buildings we have there are the restrooms. And so we're just out roughing it. But we would be able to sit together under God's word, and we'd be focusing in 2 Corinthians 5 for the entire week. And just here's some reflections um, from the students as we would just sit and interact about God's word. Just three things stuck out to me, and perhaps maybe the needs and these things that stuck out about these high school students. We might have some similar things going on here. 
But these high school students, large in part, were underwhelmed and disengaged from the word of God. It was as if it was unfamiliar, or it wasn't just a source of hope, comfort, joy, and life. That was just a common theme. Underwhelmed and disengaged from God's words. There was a lack of understanding and knowing how to share the gospel. How do we do this in our day and age? How do we share the gospel? And lastly, fractured relationships. I was just so prevalent interacting with these high school students, whether it's broken families, broken homes, or just even relationships among friends. Fractured relationships. I think our passage, and I found it this summer, um, our study in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 just spoke to these things. And by the end of the week, our students were sharing glorious things of how they'd engaged with God's word, how they'd been trained up and prepared to share the gospel, and how they were even prepared to go about reconciliation. So that's a huge part of our focus in this passage is reconciliation, just the little titles. That's God's plan for us. We're gonna talk about that in a few ways. I'm gonna read just a portion of our passage one more time, then I'm gonna pray, and then we'll give the roadmap of our morning forward. Join me, 2 Corinthians chapter five, Let's look in verse 16 together. Excuse me, let's go to verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse 14. It says this, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live Those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for these words, these words of life that you've given us. And Lord, as we zoom in on this passage here today, and as there's just so much to glean, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be prepared to hear from you. Thank you for this worship time that we've just had so far, singing and praising you, God, that you are faithful to us, that we once were beggars, but now in Christ, Lord, we're royalty that our sins have been forgiven and even our sins have been worn by you. So God, as we retell the gospel once again, I pray that it would come home to each one of us in a new way, more powerful than ever before. 
And would you prepare us with the gospel to be a people who live for you, proclaiming who you are, what you've done, and what you are still doing. Lord, thank you for the miraculous work that every single one of us in just our lives and us breathing here right now is. But Lord, would you give us a hunger to see more of the miraculous works that you have yet in store in and through each one of us in our lives. Bless this time, Lord. Holy Spirit, come, speak, open our ears, open our eyes, soften our hearts. Help us, Lord. We pray and ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, here's our path forward. We're just going to focus on reconciliation in three ways. Three ways. Reconciliation received, reconciliation proclaimed, and then reconciliation embodied. Received, proclaimed, embodied. Reconciliation. So we got to start off just by defining this word. We got to get our terms together here for all of us together. The reconciliation definition that we're going to use today is this idea of the restoration of fellowship between two enemies. The restoration of fellowship between two enemies. But to make this so clear, the need for reconciliation specifically between us and God. There was no wrong standing that God had. Just to set the record straight, all of it was on us, mankind. So we, man, were the enemy. We're the estranged one. We're the alienated one. We ourselves needed and need to be reconciled to God. God is the divine friend who by the removal of barriers restores his enemies to fellowship if they would just be in his son. So just a little bit of context, uh, 2 Corinthians, it's Paul writing to the church in Corinth. This is a church that when he started out as a missionary, he founded. So this is like the fruit of his labor. So he has loved and poured into this church, but as we know from previous letters, it's not always gone well. There's been division, there's been disagreement, he's had to respond with letters, they've uh, disregarded his authority, he's had to go visit them, it got feisty, and people are still upset with him. And so in this letter, he is in the midst of reconciling relationship with some of the Corinthians, while also seeking to preserve his title as an apostle of Jesus Christ so that the message of the gospel wouldn't be hindered by anything that anyone is saying negatively about him. So he's playing defense in a sense in the name of Christ to preserve this gospel good news. And so that's where we find ourselves in the midst of this second letter, in the midst of ongoing dissension. And these verses that I just want to focus us in on to focus on reconciliation, there's so much in this passage. Oh my goodness, we will not delve the depths of goodness here, but we're going to focus in a little bit. Verses 14 and 15 just once again say this, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. He died for all that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So this is going to launch us just in this first point, reconciliation received. Every single one of us started up, booted up, were born into being rebels of God. 
Whether it looked like that or not as little infants, it's as if we were giving God the finger and saying, I'm done with you. I'm going my own way. That's what rebels do. They don't go with what's been established. They don't go with what's being handed down, given to them. And it's even worse, we're rebelling against our maker. So goodness, a couple questions just we need to ask. Who is God? He's the holy God of the universe who made and breathed life into every single one of us. Who are we? We're his creation that's rebelled against him. So as we talked this summer at summer camp, I was telling the students, there's degrees of good and bad news. Like if I found $5 in my pocket, yay, good news. If I won the lottery, whoa, crazy news. Or if I stubbed my toe, ow, kind of bad news. If I got in a bad car accident, whoa, really bad news. What I was telling the students this week is the worst bad news there is, is that we're sinners. And our sin, apart from anything that God has done, separates us from a holy God. Sinners can't be in the presence of a holy God. Eternity lies in the balance. As sinners separated from God, we're bound for hell and separation from him for eternity. That's the worst bad news, ladies and gentlemen. But the best good news is that God, in his abundant love, while we were still yet enemies, came to us. We, through grace, through faith, not of our own doing, but a gift from God, can receive his righteousness can enter into right relationship with him. How is this possible? God sent his son. This is the gospel. You might be checking out right now, but just consider that every single day that we live, since we're not yet perfected, we're still sinning. Consider that even this gospel spoken to you right now is that much more sweet because the blood of Jesus Christ that we're talking about covered the sins of yesterday also. Sins that you didn't even know about until you did them yesterday. The gospel of Jesus Christ only gets sweeter from our perspective because we keep needing that same grace and mercy in new ways. God sent his son Jesus, fully God, fully man, in the flesh. What in the world? He lived a perfect life, something we could never do, and laid himself down, the perfect lamb sacrifice that was needed so that we might become and receive what we never had. Verse 21 sums up the gospel so well. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a great exchange I don't know what gets you excited. Are there any bargainers in here looking for a good sale? This is the best deal in town, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness. So the worst bad news is met and overcome by the best good news that ever has and ever will be. And the crazy thing is, is that this best good news 
having overcome the worst bad news, now gives us the strength and the stability to even take on any other kind of bad news, any other kind of difficulty. Not saying that the life of a Christian is pain-free. Not saying that it's smooth sailing. But I'm saying that the greatest problem, our biggest foe, our sin, separation from God, has been done away with by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, you're with me. Here we go. But we tend to downplay our biggest, worst bad news. This reminds me of Joyce and I. On our honeymoon, um, we wanted to go be adventurous. We were given a gift. We're down in Cancun. What a beautiful place. We got a Jeep that we were told was four-wheel drive, and the idea was we're gonna go out to a remote place, like way north of Cancun, on the beach, go off-roading, and just have a beach day. So we packed our cool ice bag, lots of water, um, lots of sandwiches. We were prepared for a day at the beach. In my thirst and hunger for adventure, just kept going, kept going, kept going. So got to, I think, the most remote part outside of Cancun that we could find. And that's, of course, where we got stuck in the Jeep that is not four-wheel drive and is only sinking deeper and deeper into the sand. We spend the next four hours trying to dig ourselves out. Me, more pale skin, I'm getting sunburned even though I'm applying sunscreen all the time. My eyes feel like they're burning. We're trying to take the floor mats and like put them under the wheels to try and grab traction to get this thing out. Four hours, we move like 20 feet, but we're like even moving in the opposite direction. So it was a bad situation. I, I was in need of help. Here rides up, no joke, real story. We have photos to prove this. A man wearing white jeans, riding a white horse, bareback. His name was Alan. He rides up and says, do you need help? And what did I say? I said, no, I think we're good. (laughs) Joyce probably, you're not speaking for both of us, she's saying. I said that, and you see his response was so great. It doesn't look like you're good. (laughs) You're right, we need help. So what does he do? He throws me his car keys. He says, my Jeep is down the beach, go grab it. He was on a date with a gal who was also riding on a horse. It was the most majestic scene ever. So here I am, walking away from my stranded Jeep with my brand new wife. I'm feeling the most humbled, defeated, worst new husband. I can't even protect or serve or anything. Walking with the stranger's car keys and find the most pimped out, loaded, lifted, massive tires Jeep I've ever seen in my life. I'm now climbing into the stranger's car with his keys, driving his car, and he pulls out our little rental Jeep like it was a toy car in the sand. We were saved. I downplayed my need to be saved. I said I didn't need help from my savior, Alan, man on white horse. (laughs) But isn't that like us? We wanna downplay our need. We wanna downplay the desperate places that we find ourselves, and there's no place more true because we don't even fully understand the depths of the sin that we have in our heart. Hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can understand it, scripture says? But our God does. 
He knows the situation, and he's able to speak through our, no, I think I'm fine. You're not fine. And the gospel tells us we're not fine, but we can be saved. If we just but turn to God, ask for him, his help. So people who are underwhelmed and disengaged from the word of God, as some of the campers were, we just found that as we read the word of God, we see that this is a common thread. Mankind in need and God having the solution. God being the source of true help. We try to find it all ourselves, other places. God's the only one. So our reconciliation that we can receive is from our God in this amazing good news of a gospel that he's provided through Jesus Christ. That's good news and reconciliation received. Now reconciliation proclaimed. This means, and our passage says, that now this ministry of reconciliation, this gospel that reconciles has been handed over to us. We see this. Verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's us. Instead, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So what does this mean? As we've been changed from enemies of God to now his sons, his daughters, his children, but not just that, not just in the family, but we've been given the family business. We get to be stewards, ambassadors, ministers of the reconciling good news, the best good news that this world so desperately needs. Even if we're quick to say, no, I'm good, I'm fine. No, you do. You do need it. And that's what we get to say. So who, who are they, the world, sinners? The Bible describes as blind, deaf, mute, hard-hearted, stiff-necked enemies of God. But who are we, ones who are in Christ? We're, we were the same thing. We're former enemies of God but just ones who God has helped us to see the grace and mercy that he has for us, now our role is to be mouthpieces, representatives of that life-saving truth to the world who's lost and dying. So how do we do this? How do we reconcile others to God? We retell what God's done in our lives. I was an enemy of God. He came took the place, the consequence of my sin, death, that I deserve so that I might take on what he earned, what he was, fully righteous, and enter into relationship with God. We just tell what happened to us. It's a part of our testimony. God saved me, and he can save you too. And if you think like, ah, my testimony is boring, I don't have a cool testimony of rock and roll and drugs and all of that. It's like, are you kidding me? The spiritual realities for every single one of us who are now in Christ, we were rescued from a domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the beloved son. There was a rescue mission that needed the God of the universe to take on human flesh so that you could experience life. 
If that doesn't compel someone, if that doesn't compel you, guys, we gotta wake up. Again, the worst possible news has been conquered and defeated by the best possible news, our God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's delivered us. In him, we have forgiveness of sins. So this goes to the connection of the students saying, I just don't know how to share the gospel. It's simple. What's happened in your life? We can get focused on different apologetics and how do we respond to all the certain questions, but let me tell you, it'll be really silly for someone to just disagree or dismiss your personal testimony. When you get to say to someone, this is what happened in my life. I was an enemy of God, now I'm his friend, and I know I have life secure with him. There's no arguing with that. That's what we get to proclaim as ambassadors and say, so can you. So can you have this. Think of my friend, um, Trent. I've just knew this guy just for the last year. But Trent is a guy who, as he describes how he was living just a year ago, before he was introduced to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he said his life revolved around hatred and anger. He'd gotten really, really into MMA, mixed martial arts. And because of the pain and hardship that he had experienced throughout his entire upbringing, the place where he felt safe and comfortable was beating other people up and being beat up himself. He said his fuel was hate and anger. God, in bringing him to himself, taking him out of being an enemy of God, has changed his life. This guy's a teddy bear. He's the softest, sweetest guy, and now he is just so zealous and hungry to open up his word with anyone else. Guys, let me tell you, if you get to be a part of coming alongside someone who's just experienced anew the reconciliation of God and they're seeing it afresh, there's a life and a zest there that for me growing up in the church, I can forget about. I can become comfortable. (laughs) And we can forget about how radically life-changing this gospel good news is. Imagine if in this room, in your life groups, there were people that were hungry, that were hearing these words for the first time and couldn't get enough of it. We get to host our grace group, that's kind of our life groups over at Grace, tonight, and Trent is in that grace group. And let me tell you, his new budding faith has been such an encouragement to me. It's challenged me in my own faith because I'm seeing how he is zealously seeking after more. When did I take my foot off the gas in excitement and eagerness to look to God and what he's done? Oh, would he restore in us a zeal to be ministers of this gospel, what he's done for us, what he's brought us into, that we get to be a part of bringing the best news to someone? Like, uh, think about it. What are the things that you are quick to tell others about? We mentioned bargaining earlier. Maybe it's when you find a good deal. Um, What's that TV show that you will go and tell someone about? 
Um, what is that proud achievement of your son or daughter or granddaughter that you will just boast to all about? Like, what is it? What is it that we lead off with to other people? What would it take? What kind of value and priority would it take for the gospel to be at the tip of our tongue? For what we're receiving and learning and being fed by the word of God to flow out of us towards others. If we truly do have this best good news, then men and women, we are to be sharing this and proclaiming this. A light on a hill that is meant to be seen, not covered. I'm I'm preaching to myself as well. I am in need of this. We are in need of this. This reconciliation has been received by us. This reconciliation is for us to be proclaimed. And a part of that is this reconciliation being embodied. So just three things I just want to think about in reconciliation being embodied. We can have love toward enemies now. We can have hope for transformation. And we can have urgency in action. Love toward enemies. I mean, this is what the gospel is. Our God, remember, the divine friend reconciles, removes the obstacles of our sin to be in relationship with us. Who are the enemies in your life? If you had $100 and your task was you have to give this $100 to someone, who's the last person you would give that $100 to? You would rather give that $100 bill to a stranger than to... It's a silly question like that, but it reveals something that's there. We can harbor frustration, grief, and a lot of times for good reason, for sin or harm that's been extended to you from them, maybe even maliciously, intentionally. Are they any worse than us? Us and our rebellious hearts towards God before we were in Christ. If our God, the only one who is truly perfect and above reproach, could stoop and love the ones who rebelled, crucified, denied him, We would be the unforgiving servant if we don't check ourselves and prepare ourselves to be willing to love like our God has loved us. Grace is is the undesired, undeserved love of God. God loves not because we are lovely, (laughs) but because he is love. His love is aroused not by the object, but by him himself. We know God showed his love for us while we were still yet sinners. Amazing. But for us, we want to protect ourselves, especially if you're thinking about that that enemy, that person that you wouldn't want to give the $100 bill to. If you loved them, you could open yourself to even more hurt. C.S. Lewis says this. Here's one quote. He says, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. 
wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries, avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Are we prepared to be selfless lovers like our God was for himself, willing to lay down himself completely for us? That's what reconciliation can be like. We can love toward our enemies. Not easy, but we have the perfect example and his help. Last two, hope for transformation. This hope just means that we have confidence for the future. It can feel foolish to hope. It can feel... (laughs) Hopeless, I have no hope. This imagery of just like, imagine like a coal mine or a building collapse when there's just rubble, a wall of rubble, and you're in that dark place. The initial grabbing and clawing at rocks to get them out of the way would seem hopeless, but until that shaft of light, however big, however small, the eagerness that then I would move, do anything I needed to do to make that light bigger. Ladies and gentlemen, our God can make light pierce the darkness of whatever situation, of whatever relationship, whatever circumstance. It can feel foolish to hope because it can feel like us, as the disciples said to God, as he's saying, the rich young man, it would be like a camel going through the eye of a needle. <laughs> the disciples are saying, then who can be saved? What does Jesus say? With man, it, it, is, in, it, is, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Is anything too hard for our God? Once again, if he's able to bring about this great gospel reconciliation, the worst, hardest, most difficult problem, how might he also want to bring about reconciliation in our lives with those people who have wronged us or maybe the people that we ourselves have wronged? Hope for transformation. Do we remember who's writing this letter? (laughs) It's Paul, the one who is the murderer, the schemer to end Christianity, to kill those who are proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. God transformed his life. The early believers are like, this guy? You want me to go talk with this guy, the one who's been killing and being a part of the killing of our friends? That's the one God wanted to use. How else might he want to use the difficult situations, the difficult relationships in our lives. I found that God often, it feels like God's enrolling me in a course, an advanced course that I don't want to be enrolled in when I'm in a difficult relationship with someone. I can withdraw from the course and just walk away. But what might God want to teach me, teach us if we lean in? And how might he want to put his amazing reconciliation power on display through weak, cracked vessels like us? Last one is just urgency in action. There's a closing window. 
of time available for reconciliation to be had. My friend Danny Edwards, if you were to ask me who, who would have been an enemy in my life, he was my freshman roommate at Biola. He's one who stayed up late and practiced his trumpet in the dorm room while I'm sleeping. Danny, you can't do that. We've talked about this over and over and over again. Little, little battles. It seemed like he just wanted to be a jerk about everything. Next year, I was an RA. He was on the floor. He told me later he wanted to undermine my authority at every turn possible. Ugh! Danny, what are you doing? After that year, get as far away from Danny as possible. Yay, I don't have to be with Danny anymore. Not knowing that I'm just harboring anger and bitterness. And even like chewing on it. Like it makes me feel good to know that I was in the right. He was in the wrong. I could just chew on it. I've like almost savor the anger and frustration towards Danny. I'm preparing, years later, preparing a Sunday school lesson on forgiveness. And I'm reading that parable of the unforgiving servant. God unloads a dump truck of conviction on me. I couldn't teach this without being a hypocrite because I have not extended forgiveness towards Danny Edwards. I call him up, I knew he was graduating and leaving by the next week, call him up, go to his door, I said, Danny, I need to apologize. I've been angry at you for the last four years. I've been so mad. And this isn't something that I would do, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in me, and I just need to say I'm sorry. And this dude said, are you kidding me? You're the only one who really loved me, he said. You're the one who would call me out. No one else would even bother. You held me to a standard. No one else would. He said, you're my brother. Here we are hugging, reconciling as seniors in college. I don't think I would have said I had an enemy up to that point, but Danny Edwards was that enemy. And then here we are, reunited friendship. Danny calls me a couple of years later. His life had just gone down the drain got into alcohol, got into drugs, relationships falling apart. He calls, he just said, don't know who else to call. Can we talk? He got into AA, got into having a mentor, talking with the pastor, and rededicated his life to Christ. Because of the damage of alcohol and drugs to his body, when Danny got COVID, it killed him. Joyce and I went to his memorial service just last year. Sitting in that service, as the grief and strangeness of untimely death is, oh, there was also a sweet thankfulness that I was able to extend and experience from God. That this death didn't cement frustration. That that death didn't cement anger or bitterness towards Danny and just being so thankful that he rededicated, gave his life to Christ after he was living an enemy of God. Time, ladies and gentlemen, we don't know. We don't know when that time is up for us. We don't know when that time is up for other people. How can we be faithful today? to proclaim who Jesus is and bring others into the faith so that they may not die and have cemented separation from God. But how else might we be able to live out reconciliation in a way that if we or that person, either one of us would die, that there wouldn't be cemented frustration, bitterness, 
Maybe there's something that you need to own. Maybe there's a conversation that you need to initiate. Maybe both of you need to be clawing at that rock pile until light shines through both sides. God can heal fractured relationships, and that's what the students at camp also experienced this summer. We live with hope because of how our God has brought about reconciliation into our lives. We've received it. We now can proclaim it and embody it. May God help us to do that in the days that we have left. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we stand as people who once were totally in debt and could never pay that debt. But God, you did. Lord, I thank you for every single brother and sister in Christ in this room. Lord, would you restore to us the joy of your salvation, our salvation, Would that joy bubble over as we now are cups that overflow with immeasurable treasure? Would you help us to be ministers, ambassadors, representatives of you in this gospel that you've given us so that the world may know who you are and that you're a God who even loves and reconciles his enemies to himself? Lord, I pray for each one here However reconciliation needs to be engaged with, maybe for some hearing this this morning, this is the first time that they've heard the gospel. Lord, I pray that this would be seeds into their heart and Lord, that you would stir up in them an eagerness and a hunger for you. And Lord, would you establish that relationship, that faith. But Lord, for some of us who've been maybe walking in the faith for quite some time, Lord, would you reveal to us any areas where we are passive, not stewarding, not seeking after being proclaimers, ambassadors. Lord, would this be a gut check for us all? Would we analyze our lives? Lord, search us and know us. See if there be any grievous way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for upholding it Lord, I just pray and ask that you would use Taft Community Church to be a place, a people that love you, love others, and love Orange well. Would this community, would this body even, be able to see you in each other? So God, guide us, help us. We need your help. Thank you for being the source of life that we can draw from and we can live from as well. Help us, Lord. We pray and ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.